0: Hello, welcome to Workplace Wake Up. I'm Jen Shaw. Every week I spend about 15 minutes covering legal developments, introducing you to interesting guests and providing some entertainment to start your work day. Hope you are doing well and enjoying your summer. We're here today to talk about the Department of Labor. So as I've mentioned in prior podcasts, the Federal Department of Labor is the national agency responsible for enforcing wage hour laws under the Federal Fair Labor Standards Act. Now the Fair Labor Standards Act was passed in the 1930s and it really controlled what was going on in the country with respect to wages and hours and compensation and rest breaks and meal periods and child labor and all of that until many states, including California, started passing their own legislation. At this point, the Fair Labor Standards Act is really a floor, it's really a minimum for what employers need to do. And then in many jurisdictions, uh, California, New York, New Jersey, Washington, Oregon, Hawaii, Massachusetts, I mean, so many different states, they have their own structure, their own sort of state department of labor. So in California, the state agency is called the Division of Labor Standards Enforcement. And that is our statewide agency responsible for enforcing wage hour laws. Now, there also are, of course, various local jurisdictions that have labor-related agencies or employment uh, wage and hour employment law-related agencies. For example, in San Francisco, there's the Office of Labor Standards Enforcement, the OLSE. All right, so what are we going to talk about here today? We're going to talk about the Department of Labor because they issued a few months ago a new bulletin. It's called a Field Assistance Bulletin. They issue bulletins all the time. This one is number 2022-02, the second one of the year you probably figured out. And this one is really focused on protecting workers, Uh, from retaliation because they have reported wage hour issues or participated in a wage hour audit or anything related. So, there are a number of very interesting things about this bulletin. First of all, the Department of Labor gives a very detailed description of what constitutes retaliation and how it can come about in the workplace. They make very clear in the bulletin, of course, that the employer applicant is only protected against retaliation if they engage in protected activity. For example, they make a complaint to someone in the workplace about a wage hour issue, they cooperate with a wage hour or other internal investigation, they request to be paid for wages that they are owed. This is an interesting one. The DOL says, if somebody refuses to return back wages to an employer, that is protected activity. That raises really interesting issues in terms of an employer being able to capture erroneous wage payments, right? I accidentally paid you twice. Now, in California, it's pretty well established that you can ask someone to pay you back and if they refuse, it's basically theft and you can fire them for that. You can also take them to small claims court. The language in this new bulletin raises a question as to how the Department of Labor might view that. We don't have any answers. It wouldn't change my advice at this point. I think if you overpay someone and you let them know you've overpaid and you give them a reasonable amount of time to pay you back and they fail to do that. Then that's something that they could be terminated for. I, I feel pretty comfortable with that. But this language in the bulletin is interesting. So remember the way a retaliation claim comes up is somebody engages in protected activity and then they're subject to an adverse action. Now, an adverse action could be anything from you know terminating them, taking some other some other form of discipline, like putting them. Um, on suspension, for example, reducing their work hours, reducing their rate of pay, changing their shift, um, eliminating some form of premium pay, or even demoting them. One of the points that the Department of Labor makes is that this retaliation, the adverse action, can be pretty subtle, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be something as overt as terminating someone or taking corrective action. So, the bulletin goes through all of the laws that the Department of Labor enforces, the ones they have jurisdiction over, and explains what retaliation is prohibited under those laws. So, the first thing that the bulletin addresses, or the first law, is the Federal Fair Labor Standards Act, which we talked about a moment ago, and One of the issues that they talk about in this context is that a complaint, a wage hour complaint, need not be made in writing. It can be an oral or verbal complaint. So that's important. It's not something that that has to be in writing or part of a formal complaint process. The other thing they note, which is important, is that employers that willfully violate the Fair Labor Standards Act can be criminally prosecuted. They can be imprisoned for no more than six months and they can be fined. So the examples they give, first of all, are an employee who calls the Department of Labor about an overtime issue. Clearly, that is protected activity. In the example, they say that when the employer overhears that the employee has called the Department of Labor, um, they fire the employee. Clearly, that's going to be retaliation. The other example they give is an employee asking for additional time to express breast milk. So lactation accommodation is not only a state law issue, it's also part of the Fair Labor Standards Act. So the example they give is there's an employee who asks for additional time on a a rest break and a meal period because she is pumping and the supervisor says, look, you can't take additional time off. Do what you have to do during your regular break and your regular meal period and if you're not going to do that i'm going to send you home for the rest of the day without pay cannot do that obviously retaliation the other law that the Department of Labor has jurisdiction over is the family and medical leave act. So remember. When somebody asks to take leave, if they're entitled to FMLA leave and potentially CFRA leave under California law, that is protected activity. We can't, as the employer, interfere with their ability to take that time. So the example they give is an employee is penalized because they ask for FMLA leave. And the way they're penalized in this particular situation is that they're given points under the employer's no fault attendance policy now i've talked to many of you about no fault attendance policies they're dangerous for this very reason you don't want to be seen as discouraging anyone not only from taking leave under the fmla and the california family rights act but also for example under the healthy workplaces healthy families act sick leave um, law that we have here in california The other example they provide is an employee returns to work after taking FMLA leave, and her hours are cut. Now, are you allowed to cut somebody's hours who has been off work for leave? Sure, but only if you would have done so had they been actively working. So the standard here is we have to treat employees the same way they would have been treated if they had not taken the leave. They don't have any greater right to their job or to their schedule or to their compensation, for example, because they took leave, but you can't punish them for doing so. Now, the other laws that the Department of Labor uh, discusses in the bulletin include the Migrant and Seasonal Agricultural Worker Protection Act, also The H-1B, H-1B-1, and E-3 visa programs. Okay, there's a lot of discussion about workers who are hired subject to those programs. Also, retaliation under the H-2B visa program. Another law at issue, the United States-Mexico-Canada agreement, which relates to preferential tariff treatment for certain vehicles who enter the borders um, and leave the borders of the United States, Canada, and Mexico. Also under executive orders, one of which uh, establishes paid sick leave for federal contractors and another one that provides for and increases the minimum wage for federal contractors. There are examples under each of these laws in the bulletin. Also, another law that the Consumer Credit Protection Act, which limits the amount of an individual's earnings that may be garnished in any work week or pay period. So it doesn't matter how many garnishments an employee may have. There is a limit under this act for how much can be taken out. And there are examples, again, of retaliation. Also, under the Employee Polygraph Protection Act, so, there are various laws that come into play with this bulletin, and the Department of Labor makes clear that we're not only talking about things that are what we call ultimate employment actions like termination, but also anything that really changes the employee's workplace. Interestingly, the bulletin also addresses immigration-based threats. So. For example, an employer is paying less than minimum wage to an employee who uh, may have um, not fully complied with immigration rules. And the employer says, well, you know, if you complain about your low wages, I'm going to call the immigration folks to have them come check your credentials. Obviously inappropriate. And by the way, also stupid, because the employer has responsibilities with respect To immigration right now one thing to note about this bulletin is that the department of labor has a very clear section on the remedies and sanctions that are available if they determine that an employer has violated the anti-retaliation provisions of any of those laws that we just discussed and the potential remedies and sanctions include injunctive relief so Allowing the Department of Labor to issue an injunction to stop certain conduct, what they call compensatory damages. So, damages for what you lost, like lost overtime, that sort of thing. Also, punitive damages where appropriate. Finally, the bulletin talks about interagency collaboration. And we've discussed this issue in a lot of contexts, most recently with respect to independent contractors about how the Employment Development Department, the Workers' Compensation Appeals Board, the Franchise Tax Board, and the Internal Revenue Service may collaborate on complaints. Well, the same thing is being addressed in this bulletin on retaliation because the Department of Labor says, look, we're going to work with OSHA, we're going to work with the EEOC, the Federal Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, and also the National Labor Relations Board. The point is the employer isn't going to be able to hide from the Department of Labor if they take action that is in retaliation for an employee's protected activity related to wage hour issues. So again, important to do an audit so you know where your vulnerabilities are. Make sure you have a clear process in your organization that allows employees to raise wage hour issues when they've got them and make sure that any individual who raises a wage hour issue is not mistreated for doing so. So the key, everyone, is to make sure that you're treating your employees fairly. Employees have a right to complain about a number of things in the workplace. And as the employer, you have to be sure that you're not becoming overly emotional, that you're not punishing these individuals, but rather gathering the information and solving the problem. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to spread the word, please share it with others, post about it on social media, and or rate and review it. Of course, you can also follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, and email us at info at Workplace Wake Up, including its guests and hosts, do not provide legal advice in this podcast. Do not act upon any of the information discussed in this podcast without consulting a licensed attorney in your jurisdiction.